Before we get to the show, I want to make sure you know about our podcast, Making Marketing. It's a show where Shireen Pathak talks to the biggest names in the marketing world about the decisions they're making in their business every day. Check it out. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Anchor.fm. Or you can go to digiday.com and learn more. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangal and today I have a session from the Digiday Content Marketing Summit. Privé Rivaux has achieved meteoric growth, acquiring over 100,000 customers in its first 10 months of business. With such rapid growth, making sense of a tidal wave of customer purchase data presented a challenge few one-year-old companies face. By taking a unique approach to customer lifecycle segmentation and conversion rate optimization, Privé was able to dramatically increase its customer retention and double its online conversion rate. Here, their CMO, Ned McPherson, discussed their co-strategy for how it was done. So, unlike many of the brands that you've seen here uh, over the last couple of days, Privé Revo is, is brand new. For all intents and purposes, we are a one-year-old brand. We launched June 1st of last year. You may know the brand because of some of the celebrity partners that we have. Ashley Benson, Haley Steinfeld, also most notably Jamie Foxx. These individuals launched this brand with us over about a six to eight week pre-launch period. In the first nine months, we achieved 100,000 customers. We grew into four different continents and we launched an omni-channel marketing strategy that most brands, three, four, five years old, don't see that kind of customer data feedback. So for a young brand, we were challenged with something that was pretty daunting. How do you take that much data and reliably use it so that you can get into the world of, for instance, predictive and prescriptive analytics? Which I know is kind of a daunting task and concept, but when leveraged properly, can dramatically increase not only your conversion rates, but your customer retention rates. And again, this isn't typically something such a young brand would focus on, but we were forced to, most notably because we were staring down the barrel of a partnership with a large private equity firm, TSG Consumer Partners, that was interested in helping us scale. After about eight months in business, they started approaching us saying, hey, look, we think we can take you to the next level, but you don't have a sound strategy yet on retention. You don't have a sound strategy yet on conversion optimization. And so we thought we would go down a very aggressive approach of predictive and prescriptive analytics. So what are those two things? In a really simple analogy, predictive analytics is this. Tomorrow, it's going to rain. Prescriptive analytics is, here's how you should dress, this is the umbrella you should bring, and here's what time you should leave your home so you miss the majority of the downpour. I know it's kind of a silly analogy, but that breaks it down in terms of understanding how do we get ahead of the customer attention? How do we get ahead of customer interaction so that we are providing them the content, the offer, and the potential upsell before they even know that they want it? So most businesses focus a lot on BI, you know, using like Google Analytics, different BI tools to say what's happening. You know, the CEO will get the different C-suite heads around and say, talk to me, what's going on? Where do we stand? What do the numbers look like? Everybody typically use historical analytics to show this. The reality is the majority of business insight and the reality of the majority of business value in terms of the long-term lifetime value of your customers exists in the ability to foreshadow what's coming, what offers will produce best among which audiences. And I'm not talking just about male versus female. I'm not talking about two purchases versus three, but getting into true psychographic profiling. And 
What we want to focus on again is again this we're talking about content marketing here in this event. And so how can you specifically curate content that will speak more directly to the consumer that's receiving it? The brands of the future that are going to win will get ahead of this segmentation curve. And that's critical to remember. Consumers will continue to demand more personalization and more direct content that speaks to them. Not just about the brand on the total, but specifically to them. That could be about a specific product or an education piece around a product that may not be that relevant to another customer, but is to the customer receiving that email, that message, whatever it may be. Obviously, we've heard a lot about the different channels used over the last few days to engage with customers. We've heard a lot about curation, setting up teams. So what I'd like to talk about is how do you leverage the data on the back end, both from an on-site CRO perspective and as well as from a predictive analytics perspective to segment your customers further. And one of the biggest questions that I get often in doing this is how much segmentation is too much? Because when you think about it, there's literally an, an infinite number of possibilities. You could start hyper meta with just male versus female. Then you could get down into geographic, but you could break that down even further. You can start, of course, with big bucket stuff like country, state, region, but then you can start to get to actual street addresses to cross correlate household incomes, household values to say, is there a correlation here? Is there a theme? So the answer really simply put to that question is, keep segmenting until this data stops producing increased results. If you get to a point where you're achieving basically diminishing marginal returns, i.e. every time you segment further, that email campaign really doesn't have an improved conversion rate, you're not seeing a higher revenue churn from it, whatever it may be, at that point, stop. You're getting too deep into the data. So that's a big question that we could talk a lot about, but summarize down into one individual point, which is stop at the point that the conversion rates stop increasing. Now, before I go into how we did this, because I'm gonna go on a high level overview over the next 10 minutes on how we did this, the results first and foremost were this. We doubled our conversion rate on site. So again, compared to some of the brands in here, we are relatively small, but with about 10 to 20,000 uniques per month, we actually doubled our online conversion rate, increased revenue by 120% with the company. Another important metric to understand is the repeat purchase rate went up by about 65%. So this all took place in about a 90 day window, all came down to just smarter emailing and just smarter segmentation using landing page tactics and different testing variables based off of what the data and predictive analytics suggests. Now this may look like a really, really daunting graph and slide. And what this is is a snapshot of something that you can utilize for what's called next best offer, i.e. really dig down and understand customers who have purchased twice, two of your different products. What is the strongest correlation in terms of product A and product B? Meaning everyone out there who's bought product A of all of your suite of products, which one has the highest propensity for them to most likely buy again? And this is critical information to understand. And again, this room is a lot of content curators, content developers, folks that lead massive content teams in their company. But if we don't have a really good understanding on all those individuals who bought product day, what is the likely product they are most likely to purchase next, then we might be generating and spending a lot of time and resources on content creation that frankly will kind of go in one ear and out the other. It will miss the mark. And that's critical to understand. So what we did is we designed, this was an internal uh, algorithmic solution, but there's a lot of BI tools like Tableau, different tools out there that you can use to visualize this with your own brands. But really start to understand from a graphic perspective, from a visual standpoint, again, which products have the highest potential to be upsold on. 
and you want to dig this down into each individual segment. So if your brand, for instance, has 19 different segments, know within each segment, what is the likely purchase curve look like? For all those people, for instance, one of our top selling frames, I should have said this in the beginning, we sell sunglasses. We sell sunglasses, optical and sun. Sorry, I kind of just assumed that. So we sell sunglasses. Our key to fame with the company is that all of our frames are $29.95. So we basically built a brand around affordable fashion, right? But it's not a new space. It's a very crowded space. We came onto the scene late, again, a year ago, but we've achieved pretty meteoric growth since then. So with us, one of our top selling frames is called The Alchemist. It's most known because JLo wears it all the time. We have a thousand images of her wearing it, and we had some huge success with that product. We noticed between that optical frame and for instance, our what's called the commando frame, there was a massive high propensity. Those who bought Alchemist when marketed within 60 days would buy the commando. So what did we do? We just set automation email campaigns up. If you've bought the Alchemist, you will get that targeted campaign. If you're a male or female, it's actually gonna come a little bit differently, but you will get that targeted email campaign. That brought the commando to the second highest selling frame in our entire uh, 96 SKU catalog. Again, just through smart segmentation, and we're not using like some really fancy engagement tactic. It's email. It's email automation. In fact, we set it up, I check on it once a week, but it just runs its course. All of that's built off of this concept of next best offer analytics. So the recommendation I would make to you is really dig in on a product by product basis, on a segment by segment basis, and understand what is the most likely next product to purchase for those consumers who will in a predictive theory, buy another product from you. And you can take this in a lot of directions. If you sell, for instance, bulk products, for instance, or batches, you might want to reconfigure what's in that based on which segment you're talking to based on some of these historical trends. Some of the other benefits you're gonna generate out of this is you're gonna boost your AOV. You're gonna boost your AOV because you can use lost leader products as an example to hook that repeat sale back in. For instance, we had a very particular segment in the company that for whatever reason, doesn't matter to me why, but for whatever reason, we had this little cleaning repair kit. We sell it for $7.95. All of them were buying this as an add-on addition with their frames. So what did we do? We just set up an auto campaign to that segment, gave them a free cleaning repair kit when they clicked back and bought a product with a countdown timer that we put on a specific landing page. That segment, we increased, increased repeat purchase rates by I think about 300%. So again, just digging in and just looking at the data as granular as you can and saying, what are the themes here? There has to be themes, there has to be correlations. And when you find those and capitalize on them, it can make a massive difference in your company. Now, again, a little bit of a daunting graph here, but when I show you, now we're moving over to the world of conversion rate optimization. What this is, is we installed metrics and visualization tools to say, okay, great, now that we've segmented, now that we've set up the automation offers and whom we're targeting, how is that performing on site? Obviously, we have a lot of different celebrities that rep our brand, from Heidi Klum to Richard Branson to Jamie Foxx to LeBron James was spotted, Ashton Kutcher just last week. All of these celebrities, these huge names, kind of have different followings. They speak differently to different groups. So what we wanted to understand there is on a visual perspective with different landing pages that highlighted different celebrities, what did the conversion rate look like when you've taken into consideration the segment itself? And we found some very distinct themes. A quick side note, we have a hyper broad customer base. 
I mean, if you look at the traditional psychographic profiling, we go from an A1 to an O53, from people who buy our product literally because they want fashion and they just can't justifiably, justifiably afford any big brand names, to folks who absolutely could, but they just like the style. They just like the idea that for $29.95, they can buy it, feel good, lose it, not really care, buy another one. So we don't have this like one specific niche customer, but we did notice certain customers respond to certain celebrity images quite differently. And this is something, again, with some of the very large brands in here, I've heard a lot about influencer marketing. Leverage this point using different landing page setups and install a metric on the back end to understand where is traffic getting caught up of those individuals who are converting, how fast until they get to that point. And if you're finding high friction points there, you've got to adjust. You've got to break off. You've got to create another duplicate page. Use tools like Optimizely, awesome tool to use for this. You can split test, you can multivariate test, you can really understand different consumer paths and understand who's gonna convert where and why. And then you can simply just test out the different imagery. We're a highly visual brand. We don't take a ton of content copy written on our back end to explain the proposition that we're $29.95, here's what it looks like, here's the frame and the quality behind it. You can pretty much, you know, in one to two sentences, get that you know, across to the customer. So the visual aspect for us, as an example, and for many of the brands in here, is paramount. So test that visual. Test that visual, not on your main page, but on breakout landing pages, and drive four or five different segments through that and just look at the conversion rates. Who performs where? For those that don't perform, make sure you have, for instance, your GTM, your Google Tag Manager set up. Understand which events specifically on those pages led to a conversion or detracted from the conversion. So here's an example. One thing we did on some of our landing pages is we installed buy now buttons using either Amazon Pay, Apple Pay, or PayPal. Basically, if you landed on the product page and we made the assumption that you were a properly targeted segment, we made the assumption you were already somewhat convinced in your head. You had seen a big celebrity wearing it, the price is right there, you know it's a good deal. So instead of adding you through that whole add to cart phase, going through that multi-click process, we just did a buy now button right there using whatever your uh, based on your IP, a lot of that gets recorded, for instance, within like Shopify, based on whatever your ideal purchase processor would be, and then that increased conversion rates dramatically on that landing page. So simple little adjustments like that can make a huge difference. Um, two days ago, I think it was, um, yeah, Monday evening, I was in a breakout group and we were chatting, and I was listening to a lot of folks talking about different ways to optimize, different ways to understand consumer past, consumer intent. Go ahead and take sub-segments. Take your 5% LTV customers, break them into 10 different segments, and just test on that audience, and you will find a thread. Most importantly, you as the leaders in the content world will feed that information into the paid media teams, into the development teams, into all the other teams in your organization. We completely transformed our paid media strategy because of this. Why? Because we crafted new seed audiences. If we know a certain seed audience, i.e. a certain segment of females that live in this region who've bought this product before are most likely to buy this next product on this landing page, we seed a new ad audience with that, for instance on Facebook, target with that image and that visual directing right to that landing page. And because of that, we saw the ROAS, the CPA per purchase, the first purchase unit economics, everything increased and improved across the board. So with such a young brand in its infancy stages, we're kind of an example of one that was forced to do this as fast as we possibly could because we didn't really have time on our side. We have big brands with decamillion dollar budgets trying to compete with us and we were a young startup. This is one of the keys that we use to achieve some of that growth. So 
a uh, few other points I do want to mention here is I know a lot of this can be daunting. I know a lot of this can be um, challenging to understand, but it can be very rewarding. So one thing I always like to do is just put information up there. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Happy to shed a little insight on that. Quick call, anything like that. There may be some questions, again, with some of your brands that are large, especially the B2Bs that ask me, can you really do anything like this in a B2B environment? Here's what my suggestion would be. Work with your Bs who are then talking to the Cs. So all of your distributors, all of your retail outlets, all of that intermediate Bs who are in the direct-to-consumer business, work with them on testing this strategy. Not only does that create incredible long-term loyalty between you and them, but obviously, for you know, just obvious points, when they succeed, you do. Right? So a lot of these strategies don't have to be work internally. If you are a brand that's not direct to consumer online, you can still use a lot of this. Now, I just took like a seven-day concept and tried to consolidate into a 10-minute conversation. So if anybody has any questions, absolutely feel free to ask anything at all related to how do you launch predictive theory, prescriptive theory, how do you separate some of these landing pages, understand conversion rate. So yeah, we have about uh, three and four more minutes here. So any questions? Um, just curious, given selfishly, since we're content marketers, um, curious if you've applied any of the tracking and LP pages and those conversion elements to own channels, such as instead of sending people from a Facebook ad or an email to your landing pages, if you're optimizing this, the, the destinations coming off of a blog or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, one of the things that we realized is what we were very light on our own own channels. So using the paid channels, we did see a lot of results from that, but we actually engaged a whole new firm specifically to do that and speak on the content piece on the blog to, for instance, we had this really unique uh, gaming audience, male gaming audience. Our frames all have anti-blue light blocking technology, so you've kind of heard about that uh, damage to the eyes that can come from looking at screens too often. So with that technology, we found a hyper-specific segment of male gamers who loved learning about it. So to your point, that's a great question, we set up a whole educational guide on understanding blue light technology, what it's right for, whom it's right for, and then exactly drove people to that landing page as kind of an intermediary conversion opportunity. So yeah, that's a great opportunity. But again, it stems from understanding the customer, understanding who that customer is, and then saying, okay, if it's a gaming audience, we should probably craft this content and the imagery to what they're used and accustomed to seeing, something that they would enjoy reading or digesting. Um, one point I also do want to mention, we found one hyper-segment that was obsessed with, uh, with finding the frame that fits their face shape. I didn't realize this, but apparently there's like four or five different primary face shape from oval to square, et cetera, and which frame you had will make a vast difference on how that looks on you. So apparently that's a really big thing. So we designed out a whole visual guide on going through and how do you understand what face shape you have and then listed out the different products that we recommend that would fit your style, your face shape to basically make you look as good as possible wearing the frame. So yeah, great question. The conversions on those guide yeah. content like you're applying, are those a less volume compared to other tactics like through email? Things like that? Yeah, you mean less volume in terms of overall conversions, as an example? Yeah, like if you're driving people to a guide, sure. right? And are they likely to convert, you know, quicker, or is it? Are you seeing any differences in terms of email? Um, you know, when you're sending people from an email to a landing page, and then they're buying now and converting. Yeah, right. So, so great question. Overall conversions not as high as, for instance, some of the paid media channels, but conversion rate considerably higher. Sometimes three or four times higher. Sometimes getting into double digits. 
which, I mean, in the, in the world of e-com, a double-digit conversion rate on anything is insane. You know, that's incredibly high. But what we would do, again, is use that as a testing environment to understand if it had the high conversion rate, then take that audience, go seed a new paid channel campaign, right, a new ad campaign, go hyper-broad, and that's where we'd start to pull in much larger conversions from that. So when we test it out with our own email segment, for instance, the face shape concept, we then take that, create a whole new audience, put a much larger budget behind it, scale it, and now we're bringing in a whole new segment of consumers based off of the tested theory. So again, kind of coming full circle to that predictive notion of being like, will this work, and who will it work in front of? I'm definitely going to email you. Um, <laughs> so in terms of all the different segmenting and landing pages, and then yeah. I didn't even think blog was part of it because of all the other success you've been having, but it makes sense because that's how you get your segments for your media, your paid media. How do you handle production just from sheer volume yeah. doing this? Production as in? As like, in all of this content and all of these different versions of landing pages and all of that. Like, how yeah. do you scale that from a production standpoint? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Yeah, so, so <laughs> we're a culture, we're an environment at Privé where we move really fast and it starts from the top down uh, to the point where if the content isn't ideal but at least, it's, at least it speaks to some definition to that segmented audience, we'll start and then iterate as we go. So we'll get those first email campaigns, go out there, try and learn what we can and then iterate on the content right there. I know that's counterintuitive to the way a lot of folks in this room think, which is you spend a lot of time researching and making sure that content is prime. We kind of go a little bit different direction with it. So to us, speed is the most important factor and from there we just iterate constantly. That is a great question, and that's part of the reason for the TSG partnership now is to expand the team dramatically to be able to generate that, because frankly, we couldn't keep up. You know, kind of the BI lead, the CMO, I'm like, let's test this, let's test this, 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 and the team's like, we can't do one of those right now. Uh, we're overloaded. So yeah, frankly, it's just, it's a scaling issue internally um, that we, um, happy to say, have definitely, we feel solved now. But yeah, no, it's a great question. It will always be a challenge for any organization. So yeah. Any other questions? So you said you did this really, really fast. And so yeah. I was curious about data sources. I'm assuming you had to get a ton of first party data really quickly. Did we get a ton of first, like from our own first party data, are you saying? Or, do, or gathering sorry. data, sorry. Yeah, so, uh, so there's a couple different avenues that you can use on cross-referencing your own individual data across the 250 million recorded records. And there's four or five shops out there that are the most trusted data reference sources, I would say, that you can do your psychographic overlay on. Honestly, the psychographics was definitely helpful. The most important thing was the purchase intent, which was all internal data that we took from the tracking segments, from Mixpanel, another great tool everybody should absolutely be using, and then simply just testing. Test, iterate, test, iterate. Kind of like the famous Zuckerberg quote, go out and break things. So we tried different pages, tried to break it, see what would happen. So we leveraged a lot more of our own individual internal data on purchase patterns, next best offer products, et cetera and then use that to then kind of cross-reference on the more generalized psychographic overlays that we got from our pretty broad base of customers. But go deeper on your own internal data. Go deeper there before you go wider on trying to understand your fringe customers. Focus on that top 5 10% LTVs and know them like the back of your hand, and then you can kind of branch out in, in uh, you know, kind of overflowing circles from there. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Anchor.fm. You can also tweet at me. I'm at Aditi Sangal. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week with another episode.